Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today, my God, we are talking about a picture, mm-hmm. a fucking film. All mm-hmm. right, pure cinema. Something that you know I found very, very invigorating um, before I got home and realized that we were, you know, creeping towards World War Three. Um, but, sure. the, but the two, almost two and a half hours, I was sitting in the theater. I was enraptured. I was in trance. I was transported to a different, um, better world. Maybe perhaps a different, uh, better time. Uh, this is <laughs> yeah. a pre pre Trump. This is the 2012 nostalgia movie. It's yeah. a 2012 nostalgia film. And of course, I'm talking about Uncut Gems. Uh, by the Safdie brothers, starring Adam Sandler. And I had to get our, one of our, you know, favorite guests, one of my favorite dudes in the whole world on Matt Christman from Chapel Trot Bows. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. So my God, this movie, it, my, I went to go see this with my wife and she was blown away by it too mm-hmm. because it's like she was like mad at other films <laughs> for like existing and not being as good she was like how can i go see little women after this <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a strike uh, a, a powerful strike for the dudes rock movement yeah absolutely even yeah, dudes movies win 27 it's like it's just a fact like between this and once upon a time in hollywood i mean there's just a powerful dude energy happening yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's just i'm sorry the ladies couldn't compete maybe 2020 will be different but 2019 was a dudes rock year in the, at the cinema <laughs> uh and capping off that year yeah was uncut gems um which yeah i really think uncut gems is you know i kind of agree with you Leslie that like it's you watch this movie and you're like this is like what movies should be like it kind of just shows like how a really well like just a tense story kind of like played out with characters that have like desires and are going through things like is what works best yeah like you got complex characters with flaws who do things that don't really make sense logically but make sense for the character and their desires and what they think they want versus what they actually need it's just you know this great character store uh character study but also had but like of several like very strange and weird uh kooky kind of characters and just the vibe of what i felt like that's the one word i want to type you know i took from this film it's like it captures the vibe of new york i feel captures the vibe of you know these these characters and this culture that i have no connection to but i feel like i know them now i feel like if i go to the diamond district i will walk around and see these dudes <laughs> and it's actually literal in the safty brothers case because they cast people who aren't actors a right. lot to like play characters similar very similar uh to themselves they uh did something dissimilar with a good time they had you know people who were actors and their first film the star was um uh, a woman who was it was like an autobiographical pick of this uh very young woman who wrote about her you know dealing with you know drug addiction and abuse and homelessness and living on the streets and they and they just film kind of filmed her life and turned it into cinema and that's like the thing that this film uh really captures just like how real it is like just it felt so real so intense i was on the edge of my seat the entire time and you just do not get that feeling or that experience from 99 percent of even the movies that people say are good like when i when i got out of this i was like fuck knives out okay that is not <laughs> that's not a picture this is a picture right yeah 
I think what, uh, yeah, what really sets it apart is, oh, every scene establishes stakes mm-hmm. and then they are raised. Yes. And that's raising, cha- make someone do something, which raises the stakes. And it's a continuous, there's no, there's no, like, uh, a lot of these movies have sort of an accordion structure where these, these moments of where, where the kind of you take the gas off and you just let things breathe, which in certain cases is good. But when you get a movie that doesn't bother with that, with that just escalates nonstop. Yeah. It it's a, it's an effect that's really unlike anything else in movies. Yeah, this this movie, uh, uh, and I say this with all the love in my heart, has a crank like effect. It has a, a crank like <laughs> effect on the viewer. Yes. Uh, yeah. So th- yeah, this is like the art house crank. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a very good comparison. A twenty four crank. Yeah. Absolutely, because like that. Honestly, like, I remember, when, especially Crank Two. Like yeah. I remember watching that movie and being like, "This should be every movie. Movies should just be like this. Not necessarily this re- register or whatever, but." Like this sort of structure, that really should be the type. That should be what people should default as, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to defaulting towards whatever the hell kind of, uh, you know, uh, ambient ambling around thing people are doing now. Or you know, obviously big budget stuff where none, no scenes connect to any other scenes, and they could be in any order, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Right. Uh, and and this is yes, it's like it, 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 crank should be the model, and then you just do different <laughs> versions of crank. And yeah, this is art house, diamond district, uh, you know, like Jewish crank. <laughs> and the, the the opening scene it, i found you know to be incredibly inter- interesting and like uh, l- when you look at the credits there's like the crew for the opening scene is like as big as the crew for the rest of the film because they actually went i think they actually went to ethiopia to yeah. film this because this is a film because just to establish us very um quickly about the actual human cost of the thing of, of the MacGuffin here, which is this black uh, opal diamond, we see we open up with these mine workers pulling out a severely injured worker uh, from a shaft, and they're all like trying to help him and look around. And you see, like you know, it's all black Ethiopian workers with you know Chinese uh, supervisors over them, and then a couple of the black workers, like when everybody's distracted, go back into the mine and pull out uh, this big fucking uh, black uh, opal gem which ends up being like the centerpiece uh, of the film and then fast forward you know a couple years later um and we're dealing with howard ratner who is a jewelry dealer who deals in these diamonds that uh, people in africa are you know killing themselves uh to Mm -hmm. pull out of the ground and so i thought that was a very interesting way to like center uh this you know crime drama on like the human effects that are happening you know across the globe that no one thinks about at all yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that obviously does, like, come back later in the film. Like, you know, I, I, I heard, you know, I was talking with someone who had the interpretation, and I like this, that this is a movie about black Jewish solidarity and about <laughs> how there, like, should be more black Jewish solidarity. <laughs> um, uh, and look at, like, what happens when, when there isn't kind of thing. Uh, 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 but yeah, I think that that, that, like, opening, you know, with, uh, uh, the real human cost, like, really does sort of, like, and also, like, that's another thing that makes it feel like this is a fucking movie you know what i mean yeah. like when you open it like you go out actually to ethiopia and like shoot this you know uh i don't know this like sets us on the path of like uh, uh sort of like feeling the the you know, full impact of this the basic story is we have this guy howie ratner played 
masterfully by yeah. um, Adam Sandler. And people shouldn't be surprised because Sandler, you know, and I, I, I rewatched uh, Punch Drunk Love after this, and I'm like, Sandler's like a good fucking actor, actually. I feel like a lot of people were like shocked at Sandler being a good actor, and I'm like, but we've like already done this. We've already we already know that Sandler has acting in him. I was, I have to say that I was kind of bracing for him. As always, whenever he's doing a serious role, too, for me noticing when he does like a Billy Madison voice or he does, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I know what that's from. And right. what's amazing is, is that when I realized like about 20 minutes in is that he actually is kind of doing a voice from one of his movies, but it's not one of his voices. It's the voice of Peter Dante, the Satanist metalhead from Little Nicky. <laughs> like, this, like the thing where he's like he sounds like it feels like he's really stuffed up you know he's like and uh, hey i'm out you know that's 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 him that's he's, funny. he's doing he's doing like a, a, a tertiary character from little nicky, little nicky which yeah. that, i mean that's just god tier he has to know him as doing that <laughs> and just like oh yeah you expect me to do a voice for one of my movies well how about this one yeah the universally beloved film little nicky and not even my character uh, you know i am a I'm a early resistor of this, uh, how you call it? Maybe a, the Sandler Renaissance. Okay. You know, I did not buy the Sandlessance. I did not get into Punch Drunk Love, okay. um, any of that shit. Like I, I, I was just like, no, I don't fuck with Adam Sandler. Uh, but my God, he kills it. He kills it. And I'm so, so glad this film did not end up starring Jonah Hill, which was originally of uh, the plan. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm I mean, glad that could have worked in its own way, but I just feel like he's Very too different. young for one thing. It's just, he's just, he's not. Yeah. Like when he's got those awful glasses on and the goatee and this jacket, it's yeah. like, yeah, he just evokes it. Whereas Jonah Go, Jonah Hill, as good as sweaty and desperate as he could be, like his character in uh, War Dogs, which is a bad movie, but he's good in it. Yeah. Uh, would 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 fit, but it's just it wouldn't fit the whole like having a wife. Right, you know, having a having a side piece yeah, in an apartment, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't fit. Something I really liked about this actually was the kind of like fully adult scumbagness. Of <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Like, I do like that he's like got to be going to the fucking like uh, the school, re- you know, like the school recital while also having a side piece that he actually kind of just seems like mostly exhausted by. Like yeah. it seems like perfunctory. Like he just keeps like a woman around because he like must or something. Something like yeah, that. yeah, it's his time. That, yeah. What said is that he has nothing else. He's like yeah. a total empty existence. So he's just the hedonic treadmill, but like the need right. to up the stakes because nothing else is making anything interesting. And I do like that one of his kids is just already him. Yep. Yeah. Like he's turned <laughs> his kid into him when they're like talking about, uh, you know, like point spreads and stuff. Yeah, the kid already is putting bets and yeah. like as I he ha- is it like a bunch of like figurines and shit yeah. in his room. He's got like Funko I thought that was such a fun like set deck choice that he's got like he's like a Funko Pop collector guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say though that you know while a lot of people were surprised at how good Adam Sandler was, uh, who I was surprised at being extremely good in this was Kevin Garnett. Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah. Kevin Garnett is 
fucking great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so it, my wife, after we got out of this film, said, you know, I think that tall actor could be nominated for something. And I was like, honey, that's actually Kevin Garnett, the, a basketball player playing himself. Oh, yeah. oh his last name was Garnett, too. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, everybody, like, there's so many good little roles. But uh, to let the fan, uh, listeners know, like, the basic plot of this film. And, but I... Is are spoilers important for this movie? I feel like almost not. I feel yeah. like it's moment to, to moment even... is so intense that I don't. If even if I knew the ending, like I know the ending now, and when I go back, no, I'm I, gonna I watch guess... it and still be enraptured by it and expect it to have to end a different way. Like while <laughs> when I like I every time I watch this film, I'm gonna think something different. So I don't know, but by God, go see it. Just go see Just it. See the movie first, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, you should be you should be seeing the movie. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what else is out there to watch that's going to be better than this? Come on. You going to go see Rise of Skywalker again? <laughs> Although I will parenthetically say that I did enjoy Rise of Skywalker while watching it because I enjoyed how horribly alienating it was and how it killed Star Wars once and for all, which yes, I thank you. Look, I thank do you, feel man. kind of the same way. Like I actually am less like fired up about this one just because it's like everybody knows how bad it is. It's like not even interesting to talk about. Kind of, it's like so obvious and clownish. I actually I watched a cam before I went to the theater, and I'm glad I did just because like there were a lot of times when I like would have been laughing like way too loud for going to an early <laughs> screen of this movie. So I'm glad I desensitized myself uh, ahead. Of time yeah yeah so how 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 howie ratner he's you know divorcing from his wife he has a girlfriend played wonderfully by julia fox who i i believe hasn't done a ton of acting but she's uh fantastic in this she's she does a lot of art and books and, and photography and stuff um he is he owes money all over fucking town even though he owns the jewelry store because he's like an absolute like degenerate gambler like the worst kind of gambler who actually believes in his own bullshit um mm-hmm. he actually thinks he knows like like every like the tip off like he bets twice in this movie a hundred thousand dollars or more on the fucking on a parlay <laughs> starting with the tip off i'm like this is just a sick fuck actually <laughs> My biggest laugh of the movie was in this after this in the second one where he's in the in the jewelry store watching the game and the tip off happens and he and he gets excited and then he goes man I would have been really screwed if that <laughs> <laughs> would have been fucked with that like, now, now it occurs to you that putting all of this hundred grand on and on partly involving the tip off was a little arbitrary <laughs> and he he just. Oh, he just owes people money constantly. He owes his who somebody who we find out is his brother-in-law, Eric Bogosian, um, and like Arno. his Arno, who is sending who is sending like thugs to like beat him up at the gro- Which, at the by the way, star. I like the two different sort of classes of thugs. Like we first meet like the Arno thugs, which are kind of serious guys, but then there's the other guy that's like shaking him down, who's just like bringing around his like friend with yeah. him, like the bald guy who he like. Yeah. Gives a watch to. He's like, oh, you're bringing your muscle around. There's like two different like classes of uh, of of muscle trying to get at this guy. Yeah, like he owes money to those guys, but he doesn't take them seriously because you know they they can't really they're not really going to do anything. He doesn't really even take the threats from like the serious um fucking because it's his like relative or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He just he thinks he he's always thinks he can get away with it. He's like as like 
based the inciting incident is he gets that black opal you know into his store and while kevin garnett is coming in and he's what he's supposed to be one of the jewelers who like deals jewelry to like black guys like hip-hop artists and basketball players so he makes like fancy jewelry he has like a furby uh uh like chain which is great it's like, so good it's like his signature uh thing that got him started <laughs> off and lakeith stanfield uh who plays a c- character named damani who is like the guy the go-between for howie he brings all the famous black uh athletes and singers uh to the store you know for uh howie to hook him up with like some cool uh jewelry and howie he's like trying to find something to show uh kevin garnett who's in the store and he's like i got i just got this black opal you know, from uh, black from uh, Ethiopian Jews from Ethiopia, and when Kevin Garnett sees it, he's like fucking like entranced by it. Like he's enraptured. He thinks it has like mystical properties somehow, <laughs> and he's like, "You have to let me, you know, take this." And Howie, for some reason, says yes. Um, but he uh, takes uh, when we when we're kind of confused why, and it's because he gets Kevin Garnett's championship ring as collateral and then immediately goes and pawns the ring that he's borrowed from kevin garnett in order to get some money to make a bet like he's just out of his fucking mind and just cares about nothing but like gambling and raising the stakes borrowing money spending money he doesn't have and he just it's just the film just escalates and escalates and escalates from there yeah, yeah the way you really like the way that they said it is he gets he gives the opal to KG in exchange for uh, his championship ring, his 2010 championship ring, and then he imme- or to that eight, and then he immediately goes and pawns it. <laughs> <laughs> like the next like moment, goes and pawns it. And I also think it's interesting, you know, and I think another element of him even like loaning it out is like he gets the ring so he can pawn it, but he's also trying to trick Kevin Garnett into thinking that it's like worth a million dollars. He is in this first scene telling him like this is going to auction for a million dollars, and Kevin Garnett believes him at this point. Yeah, and like the the thing is like the black opal isn't even his because he is supposed to be auctioning it off. He's supposed right. to take it to the auction auction house that day for it to get it appraised um so he can put it on auction and he he thinks he's gonna get like three hundred thousand uh for some or another but he's telling everybody oh it's worth a million dollars just this guy just cannot control himself but you but over the course of the film you kind of start to like empathize with him and like you start to root for him even though like every decision he makes is a bad decision you like want it to work out for him because he does he doesn't have anything else he doesn't have anything else but this need to gamble and to win and to play and like you just want to see him play yeah i mean i think the movie actually does a really good job of like letting us see him win while then still amping up the stakes. I also actually think it's a, it was a very sort of interesting decision to base a movie around real basketball games yeah. and kind of like Which go back should, and yeah. reverse engineer a bet around them. It's like pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. And you even know uh, what you, you know, if you're a basketball fan, you know, the result ahead of time. 
Yeah, like they went back and like engineered a game uh, uh, that, you know, his bet would hit with. Um, but then, yes, in the movie, uh, he hits with his first bet and then he finds out uh, that the bet was stopped by Arno and his guys uh, who just took the money, which also, by the way, well, I mean, I guess it's not good because it's like against the Opal and all this kind of stuff, but it's like. He should be giving the money to Arno. Like they are trying to help him. Like they're trying to stop him from fucking himself and uh, get the money back. Look, I think you know. At the ultimately, I my least favorite character and the one who I think got what he deserved was fucking Arno. Because no. that's family. I stand with Arno. Oh, I come stand on. with Arno. Come on, Arno. Don't text a picture with all that money and then go fucking <laughs> go put it on the on a parlay. Look, it would have paid off. He would have gotten all his money back. And plus, that's that's family. Like they got the money. <laughs> he has the money to spend. I those thugs don't come cheap. You can't hire two thugs for like a, a little bit of money. And like the father, the patriarch of the family, like gives Howie like a hundred, like a hundred and ninety grand just like because he asked. Like what the f- like this is a balling of. Like super super duper rich family and the thing you kind of realize is that like Howie doesn't have to do any of this like he could just like run his jewelry store and right. basically be fine but he's sick and he needs to like risk it all over and over and over again in order to like feel alive which I think is actually, you know, evidence like in the film, uh, when he gets the rock and then they, I think that people noticed that they actually like digitally, you know, they digitally made his eyes shrink as he says, I'm going to come. <laughs> while <he's looking> at, <laughs> uh, which like, I think that that is kind of like a summation of this guy early in the movie. It's like, this is what it is for him. We see him like it's what it is with him, even with, with the, with the side piece, with the girlfriend is it's like about watching her want him for him he like hides in the closet and watches her take the pictures and shit like that because it's you know it's about you know what he has it's about like his possessions maybe more than it is uh uh what makes him come is having things yes yeah yeah acquisition yes Mm -hmm. and but also like risking it too because you know his girlfriend uh julie julia like she's like a hip like young like woman who like goes out and is living her life like having fun going meeting celebrities like for him to be in this you know pseudo relationship with like a woman half his age who like does not live the lifestyle that she that like he lives or can live like he tries to talk to his son but oh yeah i'm gonna be out all night i'm gonna have go to a big party but like he's just like some old guy and like at a club with a bunch of like young black dudes listening to the weekend while like and like shortly after like week the weekend and julie like hook up like i i you know i never expected i would watch a movie where like adam sandler is like trying to fight the weekend and i'm rooting for adam sandler (laughs) but this film did make me do that like i don't even know if i can listen to the weekend in real life just because i felt so sorry for howie for that I want to commend, I do want to commend the Safties on excellent deployment of celebrities as themselves in this movie. It's a very fine tightrope to walk and it can be very annoying and very, you know, this is the end or whatever. Uh, or what is it? This is the end is the one with the celebrities. Yeah. World's end is the fucking other one. Uh, um, but yeah, very good job with, uh, celebrities as themselves, uh, in this movie. 
Yeah, uh, KG uh, definitely dethroning Shaq as the best <laughs> actor among NBA players. Yeah, yeah people were yeah. joking that now Kobe is going to try to fucking do like a oh, art God. film. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe needs an A twenty four. KG doesn't want to give the black opal back, but he's a- able to give them back in the store to give them back the black opal so he can put it up for auction. And they have this really interesting conversation where Kevin Garnett is just like wait a minute so you bought this opal from like poor as uh ethiopian jews you're pretending like you have some connection with them but actually you're just like exploiting them you bought it for you know pocket change relatively and you hope to get a million dollars for it and it's like and kg is just like that's kind of fucked up like who you're not like on their side you're not helping them you're like just screwing them over and then we get the big you know speech from how he's like you know how you go out there and you you play the game and you know people doubt you and but you like love crushing it and love like scoring like you know not just winning by two points you like winning by 30 points and he says you know this is how i win by like playing capitalism by like exploiting labor exploiting international law exploiting people this is how i win it's a great scene. It really is a great scene. It's like it's kind of a like I feel like this is a scene that you know uh, it like rem- it's like reminds me of like some of the best Daniel Plainview scenes. It has the like I don't it has I don't like most people energy to it. Yeah. And then it's followed up by the just in my find just the the best pure moment where he talks himself even though he has the money to pay off Arno and get out of yes. completely, and Arno's literally in the other room waiting for the money, and he just talks himself into doing it again it's because Meiji's so right there and they're vibing. They're yeah. vibing. they're on the same wavelength, and he knows he can do it, which means he knows KG can do it. But again, that's like this is how you come. This is how he comes. You yeah. know, it's like it's not going to make him like feel good to go hand the money over to Arno. No. No. Literally, like two feet away (laughs) because he's always going to remember the what half a million dollars or whatever he could have gotten yeah uh with a bet that he knew he would have won and you know what imagine if he hadn't given if he had given arno the money how he would have felt he would have felt stupid after that game he would have been haunted he would have been broken yeah yeah it's almost honestly he's i mean if we're gonna do a spoiler how it ends it's mm-hmm. kind of perfect because it does end his, like his last moment is one of triumph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, there's really no other way you can see his life going that would have given him a chance to go out on top like that. It's also a nice, it's a nice mirror of what happens earlier in the movie where we get to see him, like we get to see him win and then it's undercut. Like, yeah. and we already experienced that earlier in the movie and we're like, Whoa, Holy fuck. Like the movie actually like let him win. And like, yeah. we know that the money didn't get stopped. Like, yeah. We know he won the bet, and yeah. then he's shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> because it turns out that like the rules that he thinks are governing everyone don't actually apply. Yes. Yeah. Arno gets shot in the head too. Yeah, like Arno, who you have in, in like you have the impression like this guy's the boss of these guys or whatever. These are just two like insane people that like Arno has hired to like shake down with his family member. Yeah, and these violent insane people kill both of them and then like ransack the jewelry shop and leave. <laughs> well, I don't actually think they leave because we, the cops are on the way because uh, Howie's wife calls and like there is uh, the thing where no one can open the fucking door and like. 
like I don't mm. think those two guys could have figured it out. So they ended up like getting nothing out of it. Uh, so it's all as for well. nothing, except for I guess uh, his girlfriend got all the money, which is fun. Yeah, and uh, KG. Um, he did win yep. the, a second NBA title <laughs> in this universe. Yeah, yeah. Like to, that when he like Matt, you said that when he like is able to hype KG like this elite basketball player and like infect him with his own sickness. Like he's able <laughs> to transfer the mind virus to KG. It's such a like like it's such a great a powerful powerful scene and shows like how these people actually can live. I watched it with uh with the the Chapo guys and uh Virgil was to my left and when he started doing that he just started going crazy in his seat. He was just <laughs> like just going it was it was it was it was like no what do you do? It was amazing. Yeah. I've uh, never seen that happen. I've 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 seen plenty of movies with him and he usually is very non-reactive. But he was just flopping around like a trout <laughs> at just watching him destroy everything right in front of him. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful film, and it, you know it does have the ending that like more like ha- used to happen all the time in the seventies, but doesn't really happen now, where the main character just gets killed just for yeah. no particular reason. <laughs> Even though it is kind of foreshadowed, because every time he meets the thugs, the thugs end up going further than Arno really wants them to with the violence and being being up people and it is foreshadowed that like they're out of control and like by the end like even though Howie has won all this money and Arno's like actually like happy and like kind of looking there's at a, Howie yeah, there's a great shot of him, of him in the in the cube just smiling like holy shit he did it yeah, yeah. Like he, he, by the end, he's like in all of Howie, but the two thugs are like, this guy has been fucking pushing us around and slapping us around for exactly. three days. They're, they're, they have a different values. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about whatever the hell winning thing. They, they care about respect. They care about their currency is like their treatment and how they, they view themselves like in this underworld. And for this fucking, this, this diamond pusher to just be, do something like that to disrespect them like that that's just a violation that cannot be allowed well it is this thing it's like you know we in the in just the scene previous basically we see him talk to kevin garnett kevin garnett wins on the uh by with basketball he's like i win with you know getting people to pay me higher prices the way these guys win is by shooting people in the head who fuck with them exactly (laughs) yeah it's like the i I guess i didn't see it coming because i didn't blink they'd go that that like the way that quickly it's just like abruptly and i thought that was great but there is a shot uh, where the the guy who kills Howie is looking at him through the through the glass mm-hmm. while they're, while he's watching the game, and in that moment, it's like, yes, he is making the decision that mm-hmm. as soon as he's out of there, he's going to kill him. He has no other choice. He can't walk away after that. No. He can't be. He can't. He can't be on the street knowing that happened to him. Right. Yeah, and you know the uh, Phil. His, Phil is his name. That guy. He's not an actor. He was. Yeah. Just, <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Everybody in this movie who you expect is either yeah like a a, a decades long character actor or uh-huh. some local legend are literally just people that they meet on the street. The Safties, these two weird brothers, were like, "Do you want to be in the movie?" <laughs> like all these guys just randomly ended up. Uh, the guy, uh, the Mickey, that Mickey Rourke looking guy. 
uh, mm-hmm. uh, from the casino. The rich guy, yeah. Yeah, the rich dude. Apparently, that's an actual, like, garment district rich guy. Just the guy <laughs> that they saw and were like, we lo-. and that's his real look. They yes, didn't, like, that's... dress him up to make him, like, spray tanned or anything. He just oh. looks like that. The guy that she's with uh, uh, in, you know, the scene where, uh, uh, like, she's watching the game, uh, uh, like, in, you know, the little lounge at the at the casino and that yeah, guy yeah, is yeah. sitting next to her. That's just the guy that one of the Safdies, like, met at the casino the night before. Yeah. He, like, posted on Twitter, like, their texts where, like, he's, like, <laughs> movie and the guy's, like, thumbs up. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's what gives it this feeling of, you know, because you could have hired an actor to play the the greasy uh, uh, rich dude. Mm-hmm. But, you know, especially if he's a, a recognizable face, it's just going to take you out of it a little bit. It's just going to feel less real yeah. than having an actual, you know, hustling New York uh, rich guy guys who exist but who basically are never really seen in films because you're mm-hmm. you're getting at best like a, a, a distant simulacrum of them yeah i yeah. Like, like this movie i i guess we can just sum it up right now it's it's just amazing it's just an amazing experience it feels so real even though it's like this you know very high stakes thing but the, all the stakes feel like like bigger than anything that you can see in a movie about like aliens or like people are like, you know, superheroes or like, they oh, yeah. know no, there's more tension in that him watching the game in the jewelry store than right. every combined Marvel conclusion <laughs> with the giant laser that's going to blow up earth. If yeah. they don't get to the top of the sugar crumb yeah. mountain or whatever the there, hell. There's slightly more tension in uncut gems than them when they were uh, riding on horses. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, you know, we have so many arguments about like these, you know, silly movies that don't really mean anything outside if the, uh, outside from like being, you know, the only thing that our culture like produces now, right? But this is like an actual film film, like a real yeah. picture. Um and I just would recommend everyone go see it. Tell your friends and they I told my family like, "Hey, you got to go see this fucking movie. It's like going to make you like think about like things you've never thought about people you've never thought about wonder what their lives are like it's going to make you think about like what's important to you what do you value what are you willing to risk um to get what you you want like how far can you go how far could you push uh yourself uh i i just you know i i cannot say enough uh good things about it this is a movie i will be watching um forever basically yeah no i i want to see it uh again asap I had it. I've had a second watch. I've had a second watch already, everyone. Uh, and I enjoyed it a second time. I think I'll be watching it again too. Uh, it's a really good, uh, very engaging uh, movie. And yeah, I, I kind of I, I agree with you, Leslie, that it just is. And, and you know, it just feels like maybe the fucking mesmer spell. Maybe this was only a decade of the Marvels, and we can like get back <laughs> to like having some other blockbuster movies uh, occasionally. Maybe we can have movies again. I mean, it did like technically we did. They did kind of like, if not end the Marvel movies, which. Have of course, they're never going to end them, but like they ended the the their their multi year project. Yeah, phase Star three. Wars. <laughs> Star Wars killed itself on screen. Did our Bud Dwyer uh, in wow. front of everybody? Yeah. This is uh, why, Matt. Of course, it's going to be the decade of Avatar. But, uh, uh, people aren't ready yet. People aren't you know, ready yet. Well, I'm on. I'm absolutely on. You guys, Cameron is a fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, uh, like uh, you guys, I want to just quickly say this amazing anecdote. So uh, uh, he was married. Uh, he's been married a number of times, uh, uh, and one of his wives uh, was Linda Hamilton. And uh, she d- told a story about you know giving him a classic wifely lecture about how 
he's not spending enough time with the kids. Like there's a, uh, uh, you know, there's a school event and he's not there cause he's writing like Titanic or whatever. And he said, anybody could be a, a father. There are only five people on earth who could do what I do. And the thing is, that's supposed to make it look, he's not, he's underselling himself because everybody else that you would put on that list, Spielberg, Peter Jackson, maybe, uh, uh, Lucas, none of them write and conceive and shoot and edit their own shit. Yeah. And also none of them built a bathysphere. Uh, yes. None of them built like actual adventuring camera, equipment. Yeah. New 3D camera. None of them write original concepts from scratch. Yeah. He is the he is the only guy who has ever operated at that level. James Cameron is like. I, I, by the way, I just you know I'm ready. I'm ready for the decade of Avatar. But yes, like underestimate James Cameron at your own risk. There's <laughs> so many. There's so many people being like Avatar's coming back and that's stupid. And I'm like, okay, well this guy this guy makes like what he does is break the world record for for biggest movie. That's, that's like his thing, pretty much is just always breaking the world record for biggest movie. I distinctly uh, remember watching the Avatar trailer when it debuted and thinking this. This is a joke. This is going to be an embarrassing disaster. <laughs> yeah. And then it became the biggest movie of all time. I, I want. I, I was rewatching it the other day, and I'm. I, and I, you know, and I am like, it is very silly in all the ways that everybody thinks right. it's yeah, silly. But also, it's a movie in a way that all the Marvel movies are not. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Unobtainium is like a silly name for something, but it's also like kind of like a big. It's just like it's meant to be broad. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's trying to make the broadest, biggest sci-fi movie, but he's also hitting all the beats that you actually are supposed to hit in movies, and not making a TV show. And he actually is able to convey, uh, uh, fucking like pathos, like when they burn the home tree. Mm-hmm. That is that is actually like a tr- they burn a tree down and it actually yep. works as a whereas how many how many people can die in a Marvel movie without it even apl- even like half of the people anything? in the in the galaxy died in Marvel yeah. and I never it never felt oh, like like it mattered to anyone <laughs> well especially since because you know when it happens it's not going to last anyway right because right, they already have another Spider Man announced exactly look, yeah. look I think uh, you're the way I can bring all these uh, des- disparate threats together. Safty Brothers Avatar spinoff. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Safty Tar. Okay. And, I can you know, and who, who would star that? Giovanni Rabisi as Ooh. the greasy little, the, the, the golfing executive. Like he gets oh, left behind that. and he has to like escape from one of those giant <laughs> creatures or like ingratiate himself with the yeah. Navi or some deal. I love that. He, like, yeah. comes back, he comes back to Hell Earth when he's got Unobtainium that he's got to like unload. In yeah. like the, in the in the decaying, you know, like a just an actual un- world that Earth just an is. actual uncut gems with a big one of Rabisi just sweating, running around, just like guys shooting at him with lasers or whatever the fuck. I'm ready. I'm ready Absolutely. for it. This is the future we all deserve. Absolutely. And I do don't want to close the episode without shouting out the soundtrack uh, to Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. oh yes, by um, this guy named Daniel Lop- Lopatin. His uh, uh, his DJ name, I guess, is Onio Onio Tricks Point Never. It's <laughs> it's just like superb. It's uh, if you like calm trues, retro shit, this is perfect stuff. This is like the music soundtrack of your dreams. Um, of synth soundtrack. He he also did the soundtrack uh for the Safety Brothers Good Time, which is also a fantastic film. You can watch it free on Amazon Prime highly recommended film like he it's just so good the soundtrack of it i've been listening to it nonstop since i got out of the theater wow how nice that we have some actual filmmakers around the safty brothers yeah. we'll have to keep an eye on them yeah absolutely 
All right, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at Kushbaum and uh, Chapo Trap House. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for listening. That was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.